This is Shaka Wart Speak. Yeah. Yeah, it's a way of putting it. Okay, so <clears throat> welcome. Yes. We're back. We are. We're we're it's it's we're in the high seas right now of the end of semesters and job stuff, and so and we're missing our 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 um our new addition, uh Cody Spice, but he'll be mm-hmm. back, don't worry. Yeah. Um Cody's just recuperating from the last time you met with us. I always find yourself in one one way or another missing new edition. That's right. I agree. They did do the For the Culture tour, though, and it's been fantastic. Yeah, Even though they're not very good anymore, comparatively, they're still good. Like, they still dance and coordinate well, and Ralph Tresvant is always a beast. They're just, like, addition now. Like I shamelessly love world. New Edition, dude. I mean, hey, I do not. I just love New Edition. Who's, like, the like the little kid version? Uh, another Bad Creation. Yeah. Or ABC. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's get weird. Um, so <laughs> so weird, we, yeah. we, we're going to talk about uh, saturation today. Mm-hmm. Like the the way in which the culture can be uh, saturated, or the way in which the art market can be saturated, or the way your just your studio could your be studio saturated. can be saturated, your imagination. Mm-hmm. So so at the heart, so it's it's aimed for, you know, this talk could could be a one or two parter. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a two parter, but probably it's aimed towards. Um, and we'll get back to what we're also working on uh, with Cody. So don't fear not. We're we're always weaving. We're weavers. We weave. Mm-hmm. So threads that seem to have left are just going to be woven back in, and um, yeah. So so oh yeah. Well, welcome. If you we're just going to jump in. Right? Yeah, yeah. We're okay. here. We're here. We're here. So doing the thing. We so it's helpful to focus on what happens when something is saturated. Like what happens when um, the market, the gallery system, the collector base, all angles for the same thing, and who decides? And then what happens to that thing or those people? after a certain point. And so I don't mm. want to, we're not going to go into it yet. Yeah. You know, we're going to, but we're going to, we're going to put forward a provocative premise. I think it's going to be, I know <laughs> could be one of the, it could, it, I may be overstating this, but it could be, if you've been paying attention, this will link to the holistic framework we've been laying out for three years, mm-hmm. but it could seem to be a little challenging. Yeah. So what I would ask you to do is listen with an open heart and mind. Mm-hmm. And, and resist um, resist over familiarity with certain terminology ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really let us land the plane on this and consider the words of the author we're even going to uh, quote today. Yeah, leave, leave your assumptions or definitions at the door. Yeah, as much as you can. You know, just yeah. res- just so that you can, because you got nothing to lose. If you're listening to us, no one knows you're listening to us. It's all good. Mm-hmm. So then li- listen and consider and then um, weigh it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you know, maybe make... We maybe even have more to say after this today. So, so buckle up. We're gonna go with. Um, we're gonna open up today with. Um, oh, I'm looking for the title of it. Give me two. Give me two seconds. So, so there is a 2005 mm-hmm. talk by David Foster, the late David Foster Wallace. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know about the author David Foster Wallace, who's a, a very uh, compelling thinker. And writer and um, somewhat troubled. Um, mm, yeah. Go ahead and uh, we're not going to do a deep dive on David Foster Wallace today, but I urge you to to check, to him, out. check him out, get a little bit of a feel. But this is a talk that he gave in 2005 at a commencement speech uh, for the graduating class at uh, Kenyon College. Mm-hmm. And so um, you want to go ahead and it's called This is Water. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, I think with it, um, like he had, 
this is a small little sliver in this. Like he had, you know, lived his life really talking about a lot of things. Yes. And talking like deeply, thinking very yeah. well about stuff in deep ways. Very, very versed thinker, <clears throat> wide thinker. And this is the the one time he really spoke in public about like very personal things to him. Yep. So here's what he said in a passage. Because here's something else that's weird but true. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship, be it JC or Allah, be it Yahweh or the Wiccan Mother Goddess or the Four Noble Truths or some inviolable set of ethical principles, is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you'll never have enough, never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure and you'll always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. On one level, we all know this stuff already. It's been codified as myths, proverbs, cliches, epigrams, parables, the skeleton of every great story. The whole trick is keeping the truth up front in daily consciousness. So what's he getting at? Well, so one thing right away is like he's not a religious dude. No, no, so not at all. This, I mean, it's funny because he yeah. would he would have described himself as an atheist. An atheist yeah. But then in that first sentence, he's like, "There's no such thing as there really isn't." It. So, so there's a strange admission to the worship, mm-hmm. and um, so, and I think so. Um, in certain religious circles, it would be called idolatry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like you know, you just you think about what we call idols. Yeah. Um, like people, you know, at this point, you know, we, we, we sometimes have like an archaic association with like this worship or idolatry. Yeah. It's like uh, scenes from Indiana Jones or something. Yeah. But the truth is when you go to a football stadium, uh, you're seeing worship on full display. Uh, yeah. Basketball it's a, game. It's almost like a, it's like a natural, like it's a natural human activity. Like it's kind of a part of what he's saying is like, yeah. like worship is just like part and parcel to being human. Yeah. It's not really an, so so we want to kind of lay out a framework to, and we may revisit that again, but some of the implications are, yeah, I think one thing that stands out to me is most of what you worship in the way that he's talking about it will consume you. Yeah. And, and therefore as it consumes you, you will consume it. And, mm-hmm. and then it will, it, things will expire in a less than satisfying way. Yeah. And so, so this is, you know, um, starting to, you know, this is like the start to looking at, Mm-hmm. How it is that I think we find ourselves in these saturated moments with the arts. Yeah. So we'll get there. But um, I think it's worth defining worship a little bit and idolatry. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, I, I think I'm just going to start with kind of some associations. Sure. Um, you know, and I, so there, there's like the, the religious context, right, which depending on like which kind of camp you may or may not find yourself in, mm-hmm. like it's all going to be a little different, but you know, yep. we, we, I think we tend to think of it in a modern context or a contemporary context of, you know, like, Oh, it's a, like a, it's like a thing we do. You know, it's like a, it's almost like a, I don't I don't even know, like an event we attend. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, you know, like, uh, you turn on your, your TV, uh, to like, you know, public television, uh, on Christmas Eve and mm-hmm. you might see like, you know, this like midnight mass from the Vatican. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's always kind of going on and we think of like, Oh, well that's, that's kind of what worship is. Um, but then I also think of um, like some stereotypes of it or some cliches. Um, and you think about like the, the really clingy, like, uh, like, like relationship partner, 
mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, oh, they worship the ground they walk on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they just. So kind of connotatively. Yeah. yeah so you've yeah, got these yeah. kind of different, I think we've got these different kind of cultural, uh, cultural like pegs that we kind of hook this sure. word on. Yeah. And, and that's two of the biggest ones for me, like an event or like a, an improper, um, uh, like an improper affection toward. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. like both sides of the coin. Yeah. 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 And I would even just throw in there like, so just in, in addition, like the so, sort of thinking about it is like de- denotation and connotation, like as those nodes, or those points is like uh, there's the, you know, some might say, well, the worship of, of someone is just an extreme measure of selfless adoration mm-hmm. for that person or yeah, that yeah. thing. Like, I really love this person and exceeds the boundaries of my own rational faculties. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I just love them so much. Like, I guess give myself to them mm. or to that thing. And so somewhere in worship is also an orientation of life, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. A giving of yourself. Mm-hmm. So like I've given myself. So like, so for instance, when I uh, worshiped Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and I did in the Chicago Bulls, I gave myself over to that. In other words, like I was, com- I was a devotee. I was committed enough that I, that meant that I was saying no to competing options. I'm also going to guess that like uh, there was probably like some mimicry that was going on there. Yeah. Um, so you, I mean, I'm just guessing. Yeah. And I'm just going to, just from what you're saying, yeah. Tell, yeah, yeah. tell me so if I'm wrong here. Yeah. So then there's so mimicry. You like probably like recorded some games on TV. Yes. You saw some moves he did. Yep. And then you were out like on the, on the parking lot, just like, yep. Doing some stuff. Trying to talk like him, yeah. walk like him, play like him. And a lot of the, the songs, shoes. be like Mike, you know. Yeah. And so so something in worship is it is bound to the devotion and adoration and the giving of oneself to something. Now, here's the interesting part mm-hmm. is, um, you know, I, I, well, let me go back and just say like, just to kind of say like, so that could, you could say um, worship moves into identity, by the way. Mm. So, okay. Okay. So... <clears throat> So we've talked about identity past, but we're going to unpack it a little bit more. And so, so part of worship is to identify with and to be identified. Yeah. Well, that was my next question. I was going to ask, like, you know, we've been talking a lot about kind of the individuals or Mm -hmm. like what, like that worship kind of like moves out of a person or whatever, but like, what, what do I get out of it? That's right. Yeah. 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 As the one being worshiped or the one worshiping? The one worshiping. Like, so, yeah. So that's right. When you're thinking of like Michael Jordan, you're talking about him. The thing that crossed my mind is like, oh, well you get to do the things he kind of does. That's right. And some of his, his like shininess hopefully rubs off on you. Yeah. You 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 get get to to be seen in the same space. That's right. You're associated with excellence within this case. And, you know, substitute your favorite musician, artist, actor, Mm -hmm. uh, thinker, HGTV uh, folks, like whatever it is, like um, you get association, associated benefits that that you assume are yours uh, by devoting yourself. So like I wear Chicago Bulls red when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I uh, played basketball. I debated a certain way. Uh, when When Michael Jordan wasn't winning championships, I had to defend him for not winning against all my rabid Laker friends being in LA (laughs) friends that were like, you know, Lakers forever, Magic Johnson. And I like the Lakers, but, but then when they started winning, well, then I had the benefit of always being Mm -hmm. associated with a winner. Yeah. And I, I got assurances of that, but the assurances were temporary and predicated on the success of someone else. Mm -hmm. Right. So always, always about, you know, and so we could also talk about, you know, the way we can be devoted to like, we could transfer this to like art Mm-hmm. Or painting, and so so when I worship at the feet of of what it is that I do, 
I've created an identity orientation that gives me certain benefits that I believe are for my good. Yeah. Or that I believe fulfill needs that are unmet elsewhere. Yeah. So there's a, there is a, um, a kind of a hopefulness or a, a kind of a, so there's a couple things. So there's hopefulness, there's whatever guilt we're covering, like inadequacy. So you mm-hmm. have things like, I am hopeful for these things. I believe I may be this kind of person, but I also have done these kinds of things that maybe I'm less proud of. I would love for those to be eclipsed by by things that I think are um, say say much about me or well mm-hmm. of me and and allow me to obtain more of what I want, which is pleasure or affirmation or friendship or closeness or safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also need it though to kind of bury or cover the things that uh, I'm, I don't feel proud of. Yeah. You know, like it could be the, the things that I made that are not very good. It could be my extreme inadequacy. Like I don't feel adequate for whatever job I have or whatever relationship I'm in. It could be, um, you know, this could be in the realm of sex. People worship pornography and it, and it creates um, uh, a vicariousness uh, that creates, you know, the same kind of dynamic as you would with, a, with watching an athlete or an artist perform. Yeah. So it reduces the nature of your life to performance, and then you have to decide if you measure up or not. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, when you watch pros play, um, you often aren't going to measure up because you're not a pro. And so yeah. when, you, when you carry this into different spheres, you run the risk of being crushed by by not measuring up, but also mm-hmm. by misunderstanding the nature of any one kind of engagement or activity, which is a whole different discussion. But what I'm trying to do is create a really sort of voluminous picture of, and in in still general enough that you can think in specific about yourself, uh, the kinds of things that we need. It's like we've got wounds, say, from family past. Maybe somebody is, you know, you've been victimized in some kind of way, but also maybe you're a victimizer and you've never talked about it. Maybe you were poor. Maybe you were denied. Like there's, there's so many things. And so what happens is you have a state of affairs Mm -hmm. that is what it is, but it's not enough to sustain. And you start to look for, if I just had these things, then I would be this person. Mm -hmm. If I had, you know, better health, if I looked a little different, if I spoke a little differently, if I went to the school, the right school, this gallery show, that's right. I could get this piece published. If this critic would just write about me, if, you know, if I made the best painting, if I if I'm in a group of makers that are excellent, then then I will be excellent too. And if that happens, then I will not be dissatisfied any longer. Yeah. And so um, this encompasses worship. Mm-hmm. Worship is the angling for that which you believe will bring you the greatest amount of wholeness, wellness, and good. Mm-hmm. Some people it's working out. Some people it's Instagram. Some people it's likes. Um, and, and there's an, a laden assumption that there is a thing that we need satisfied within us. Yeah. It's, it's an, it's a autonomic need for satisfaction. Yeah. I like an existential satisfaction. And that's what I was saying. It seems that worship is almost like a human, like a natural human yeah. response. It's unavoidable. It's mm-hmm. a part of being human at the axiomatic level. So then it becomes to a uh, Foster's point. It's not a question of what you worship or, or if you worship, it's a question of what you'll worship. Yeah. And then he leads it in this interesting place where he says that it, it oftentimes you'll consume and it'll consume you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and that, I think that sets the stage a little bit for this conversation. Yeah, um, I think so. And, uh, you know, and I think it's also kind of funny because I mean, we can, we can push the, the, the worship idea so much further. Like keep going. It, I mean, just think about any, <laughs> 
in any TV show or movie you've seen or your own childhood, like just think about your bedroom, right? Mm -hmm. So if we take kind of the picture of like the cathedral, right? You walk into like the mm -hmm. cathedral and there's like stained glass windows yep. with the things that are being venerated within mm -hmm. this place, you know, the almost like the the canonical sort of like uh, top 10 list. Yeah, you know, of people. Or it's something. sort of it's sort of the Michelangelo Sistine Chapel of like Marvel characters in your bedroom. Yeah, or, for real. Like I think of like all the posters I had hung yep, up. Same. You know, and like uh, you know, you go to like the school book fair and you mm -hmm. like buy another poster. So I had like, I mean, it's weird because I had like, um, <laughs> I mean, some of this will definitely put my age on display. Do but it. I had like a had an Ozzy Smith poster. Oh yeah, Ozzie, from when he played for the Cardinals, um, and then um, I also had a Penny Hardaway poster on the back of my. Uh, door when he was playing for the magic and um, you know, they, they kind of work in the same sort of way, but over time those things got replaced with other things. Like, so they got replaced with like drawings that I had done or like pictures of girlfriends or whatever else. Right. Like it was, there's, there's a way that we, we surround ourselves with the, like, I, I don't know, like the, the props mm -hmm. for that worship. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. so it's not, so it's, it's not just it's like, a, it's like an infrastructure. It is. So yeah. it's not just like, a, Oh, I just think of people really in a heightened way or, yeah. you know, or I'm just like striving really hard towards a thing. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, we like, we literally build environments that yeah. support this idea. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's like in no small way. So like several examples, when, when the Beatles show up and people are crying and falling out, <laughs> mm -hmm. that's, that's worship. That's, 100%. that's, uh, you have, it's, it's the kind it's a state that you're brought to that appears to be in an instant, but also has been cultivated over time. Yeah. So, so you have, you have fixated on, um, you know, a person, yeah. place or thing, and then you finally come into proximity to it and mm -hmm. you, you, you can't, you're, you're, you've moved out of yourself into like a state of like awe or tears or, um, you see this, you know, my goodness, Michael Jackson, um, people yeah. would just break out into like, tears mm -hmm. trembling and shaking because they have worshiped this person so there's something in the the worshiping the I, I idolizing if you will that has to do with inaccessibility and observability so i'm observing that which i don't think is accessible but if gosh if i could just touch their their sleeve mm -hmm. then i would be so close to them and by closeness i would i would i must be special yeah. I must all, I may not be them, but I must be something a little more than I feel that I am right now. Mm -hmm. And so, so, you, you know, so then the gap closes, you're, you've been listening to the music and you've been watching the videos and then you finally are at a concert. You're so close to what you believe will bring you a kind of salvation, mm -hmm. a kind of completeness, a kind of wholeness in this other person that you're overwhelmed, flooded with emotions at that moment. Yeah. The interesting thing is after that moment is done. Yeah. You know, then what? So, so a lot of times what happens is then you become, um, sort of a hoarder of past experiences mm. that you have to keep stacking up yeah. to maintain the glimpse of what you believe gave you a nod of value, a notion of wholeness, a notion of yeah. completion. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you, you end up being, you know, I think what is portrayed so well in Napoleon Dynamite through Uncle Rico. Yes. Where it's like, if I could have just been in that game, yeah, you know, I we could have won, won the state championship. Yeah, he's just out there in the middle of a desert, <laughs> yeah, pondering if coach would have put him back in the game and if they could have won yeah. state, chucking footballs by the van he lives in. So you're you're 
angling, you know, prior to that moment, uh, all joking aside, yeah, yeah. prior to the state, it's like, uh, I just got to get in the game. Yeah. The moment passes you by and you're like, if I just would have gotten the game and now yeah. your life is defined by something that never happened for you. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, it, it, it could be easy for, you know, somebody to push back and be like, yeah, well, these are such like very specific things. Like I'm not freaking out over some like stupid pop stuff. Totally. We have to use, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. but like I've, I've talked on this podcast about like one of the most visceral experiences I had with a piece of art, which was turning the corner at the Met and seeing Cy Twombly's Dutch interior and like having to sit down. Yeah. 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 And it, and some of it is like, it's, it's just actually a really arresting painting. Uh, but also like he is just one of those people yeah. in the art world. His for name me. is Cy Twombly, which is yeah. just a it's like the frenetic. Most, it's like the most badass name in painting. Yeah, Cy Twombly matches the look of his art yeah. in such an odd like de Kooning, same thing. Like there's something about Basquiat's name matches. Yes. So there's some some weird mystical power with naming names but it's funny, and like, expressions. All three of those people are kind of in that same sort of space. Yes. Yeah, de, de Kooning to a lesser extent, because I just got burned out on him in grad school. Yeah. But I mean, like Basquiat, dude. I, it, it's weird, you know, and yeah. I even felt one time I went into the MoMA, then, you know, they got like that coffee shop on the third or fourth floor and I'd gone up, we were going to get a bite to eat. Um, and right outside the coffee shop was this gigantic, it was like the eight foot by eight foot painting of, uh, that he did of, of, of the crown and mm-hmm. this like amazing, like collaged background. And it was right there next to where you're standing in line to get like a $14 side salad. Yeah. And I just felt hugely offended. Yeah because of the, the way collision. those were put together. Yeah, collision. But it was, it, but it, I mean, maybe I was right, but at the same time, like it still said something about like what I assumed that piece of work or that person. Yeah. Like how they should be venerated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or yeah. worshiped in yeah. some way. And so, and so you have this, this kind of, this is, so you have this different levels too. You could, it could be your professor. It could, you know, just like someone that no one knows, but yeah. you just really, really, they are like a, they're your lifeline to how you understand yourself or or you could be someone or you've met the people where they are the ones that are cult personality they're demanding to be they are demanding to be worshipped mm-hmm. and so yeah. they they create environments to ensure that they get the most worship because they see like i worship i worship at the feet of approval so the more people that mm. approve of me, the more value I have. And the more value I have, the more I have to continue to fight to to build that value. And so like it's the same game, you know, just at people at different points of view on the same kind mm. of game. It's it's an admission that I'm not enough. Yeah, yeah. Or or I've got some guilt I gotta cover. Like yeah. I, I'm guilty of uh, past offenses that are now um being called out. And I'm afraid of losing what I've worked so hard for. So I'm going to have to do things to um, show that I'm devoted so that I don't lose what I love. My family, my job, you know, my social status, who who follows me on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you know, not being doxxed or whatever, like, like whatever it is. But so fear of loss and fear of obtaining or not obtaining. Uh, have a similar effect and the interesting so so it's like um you know it's always a if then if i just lost some weight i'd be a much better person if i just had more money i'd be a better person if i had more sex i'd be a better person if i had less if i had you know if i had more relationships if my marriage was better if my um 
studio practice better. If more people noticed that I was more serious than everybody else, yeah. Well, then they'd know, you know, because I'm more authentic than everybody else. Or it like it 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 literally can be anything. Mm-hmm. It's it's so it's like using pop level examples as a way to illustrate. But it uh, the thing is the interesting thing is um, when a lot of people agree on what is worshipable. Mm-hmm. And start to move in the same direction for very similar reasons, which yeah. I think we're seeing right now in our culture. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, because <clears throat> there's no, I mean, if, if you take just kind of the the framework or matrix that's kind of been like put on the table in sure. the last, you know, whatever's been 20 minutes or so, um, then you can just kind of wander your way back through human history and you can see how these things change and are different. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't take you... It doesn't take me many years in the past to see them very mm-hmm. pronounced in art or design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, go, go. Let's hold back on art design for a second. Okay. Let's stay on pop culture for a minute. Okay. So let's use an example. Like how many, how many people loved Madonna? Yeah, yeah. So and some people still do, but not as much as they used to. Mm-mm. So she got loved up, used up, and now she's dying on Instagram with like huge Botox and plastic surgery. She looks like a weird cat lion yeah, creature. Yeah. And she's she's begging for the attention that once was hers at a level that, mm-hmm. you know, was was more vivid and, you know, she was being worshipped. She was front and center in every show. Yeah. You know, based on her looks, her voice, her her whatever her talent level was, whoever invested in her. And all of these people agreed and they they were saturated with a kind of multi-decade experience of madonna mm-hmm. um and then there's a point though with culture especially when it comes to tr- um, pop cultural stuff we we get it gets you could become it becomes a saturated a saturation point of no more can fit in here i'm mm-hmm. not i'm i'm no longer interested <laughs> it no longer does for me what it did when i first discovered it and so now I have to destroy it i have to it's iconoclasm i have to mm-hmm. destroy it to defame it tear it down um, in the name of the new thing I need to worship and devote my life and energy to, yeah. to look like, like, dude, there was a time where everybody tried to look like Madonna mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and it's just one example of any number of musical artists, mm-hmm. but it's like it. And so, um, and so it's always the latest and the greatest. It's like how many workout machines, Bowflex, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. gyms, you know, there's a time, there's a time where gyms were not a thing. Yeah. They were like a rarity and then they became a ubiquity 24 hour fitness everywhere. Starbucks started as a thing yeah in seattle and and it was there for a long time and people knew each other and they wanted to brand that and if they flooded the market to where you no longer think you no longer think of starbucks as uh good coffee uh well yeah that in a, a kind of a, a one-off place yeah you think of it as a place that saturated the market so much that you could find a starbucks anywhere and now we're at the point where we're on the other side of which is teardown <laughs> where now you can't find them everywhere because some are closing yeah, because because it's it's ran that saturated point. You, you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, there, and, and, and there is an identity attached to it. Um, and I think, you know, I think in the second part of this, I want to like slow way down and really like itemize these things. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like taking a model kit. Yeah, like yeah. we're just talking about the box that the model's in right now. And we're <laughs> yeah. like turning it over on all side back and forth excitedly. But I think this talk will take we'll we'll, perf- we'll do a surgery and like itemize these categories in the next episode yeah and then and kind of like put the model together tightly mm-hmm. you know like tightly so you can really examine it 
but um but just to kind of lay the land like it it's like um there's there's qualitative levels to things like mm-hmm. you may be like i wor- you may not think it but worship a way to assess what you worship is can you imagine life without it yeah yeah so like can i so if i said to you hey can you live without coffee a lot of us would be like heck no <laughs> but really can you live without coffee totally so we should be able to some of us may not and i i'm not meaning this condescendingly no. i'd have a hard time with it yeah yeah um so i'm not a i'm not beyond what we're talking about here I mean, um, we're literally sitting here drinking coffee yeah we're drinking shows. coffee right now but so some people can't some people can't live without sugar you know we we call it addiction but that's like cultural uh, addiction sometimes it's like uh, i want to be careful but sometimes that's sort of social engineering to make some things acceptable and other things not yeah no totally i mean there's like, there's there's a lot of things that are addiction and they are that yeah. but it can it can also be like the um, like the the overly emphatic sincerity of somebody trying to like aggrandize something else yep yeah. You know, if that's a way to put it. Yeah. You know, so you're like, I'm I'm just I'm just addicted to frappuccinos. Like you're probably not. You're probably not, but you but And it probably does harm to people that actually do struggle with addiction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little taste of worship though. It's like uh, It is. I got to have this because I can't be who I am without it. And um and so it that this raises questions like why is it that we are all worshipers? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Um where does that come from? And if there is this thing about, so so worshiping something doesn't mean that the something wants to be worshipped. Also, I'm not totally. So, uh, yeah, dude. The great example of this is uh, go find the video. It's super weird. Um, but gosh, when which I could remember what year it is. Um, but it was uh, within the last ten or fifteen years. There's a video of Ringo Starr. And mm-hmm. he's just standing there, and he's like, "Peace and love, peace <laughs> and love, uh, peace and love from this day forward." I will sign nothing. Do not send it to my house. I do not want to do it. Peace and love, peace and love. And uh, but it's like super weird because he's like saying peace and love, but then he's like, hey, kids, get off my damn lawn, uh-huh. right? Um, but the whole thing was like he was done with Beatlemania. He's cut. His whole life yep. had been that, right? Yep. And so he was like, nope, done, finished. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I have friends and relatives that have like gone and seen him in concert so he's still performing and doing that stuff. He doesn't want the worship. Yeah. He wants to do what he's doing, but he yeah. does not want to be the object of your screaming tantrums. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to be like, hey, uh, every relative I know wants a picture of you. Can you sign 4,000 headshots? Yeah. And he doesn't want to do that crap anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so there's the there's the failure of worship. Uh, most things can't bear the weight of being worshipped. I'd mm-hmm. say virtually almost anything. And then there's the, um, so how, you know, like there's how this relates to saturation mm-hmm. and, um, saturation is the, so in some ways it, this is equivocal and, you know, friends of ours for to say things like this. And we've heard others say this, that we're friends with, but, um, when you, when you take a good thing and you make it a God thing, mm-hmm. Um, it becomes a bad thing. Like it, it doesn't, it buckles. It can't, it can't be elevated to that level. Yeah. So, so in, you know, when, when, um, Foster Wallace is kind of milling through different religious beliefs quickly, he's implicating something there that I think is important. And that is, um, uh, that we, we want assurance. Mm -hmm. We want value. Mm -hmm. We want peace. Mm -hmm. We want hope. Mm -hmm. 
and we want freedom mm-hmm. and we don't want consequence for our failures. Oh, never. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I could say this again. We want, I, I yeah. I'm, Rewind and listen to that again. Rewind and listen to that again. <laughs> yeah. It was, we want hope, peace, assurance, happiness, freedom. affirmation, freedom. Mm-hmm. And we don't want consequence for our actions. Nope. So we edit life away from consequence as much as we can. We avoid 100%. it. That's fight or flight. But no. also it's always someone else's fault. Well, I had a, not to break in, but I, yeah. I had a student a few years back that, you know, so I teach these courses in like business practice for artists, right? And so they were, their their assumption was like, hey, you know this stuff, you're teaching it. And if I just do exactly what you say, then X will happen. Yeah. Which was never said in yeah. class. It's yep. not do these things and success follows. That's it's, right. Uh, if you would like success, these are probably wrapped up in it to some mm-hmm. extent. And they were actually mad at me. They yeah. came back later and they were like, I did all this stuff and nothing happened. It's your fault. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like one, I... I am not big enough to hold all the weight of your life yeah. and mine. Yeah. So like when you said the like good thing to a God thing, like elevating me to some sort of like demigod status yeah. where I have like some all knowing, all seeing sort of reality. Yeah. Like it, it, it would You work. see this in the politosphere, which means we ignore the facts because we, we, yeah. we yeah. deify the hope we've, the, we're displacing our hope into something else so that we don't have to bear the responsibility, but we can receive the benefits. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and yeah, like that happens in academia, like people pursue status and then they're miserable. Like like the person thinks that status is the thing and mm-hmm. they're not a very good teacher. Yeah. So then they move into administration or they move into, you know, um, curating or they move into um, uh, support role or, you know, or they go back and get another degree. Like, no offense to you for having a PhD. I mean, I got master's degrees, but they go back and get it. They no, get more it, educated, right? I, like, you get I, a PhD. I, no or, offense taken. You know, or then you're like, well, um, I got this PhD and I'm still miserable and, and I still am this. You're same, probably more miserable. More actually. miserable. Yeah, because more life has been used up. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you're, you're worshiping at the feet of education and knowledge. And yet somehow you are less connected, not more. Yeah. You're, you're less complete, not more. You're more aware of how incomplete you were and it's becoming more of a dire situation. So yeah. then you go get a second PhD Ugh. and you divorce your family. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of, of even a, a real person that I yeah, know. Yeah, it's yeah. like second PhD and then working on maybe a third. It's like my PhD, I've got my MBA, yeah. my JD. So then you're at some go. point you're like, okay, so you've lived your life getting PhDs, but you can't sit in a room with someone. Yeah. What's it all for? And so that is an example of being eaten up by the idolatry and the worship of education to say something about mm-hmm. you. It never does it enough because it's contingent upon other people that need the same thing as you. Yeah. And everyone's kind of walking around in this busted negotiation of of do we do we worship the same thing or not? And if you don't worship the same thing as me, well, then we can't we really can't work together but so much because I don't got time. But here's the thing, too. Most of it is done with a level of dishonesty on the surface. Mm-hmm. So it's like on the surface, we polish up what we do and hide what we need the most and why we want it. So then you get people that, like, oh, t- say in academia, you get yeah. people that don't actually care about the subject. No. They just, they just want the job. They just want the job. And then they're going to – and and here's the thing is like when when worship is directed at a thing that can't hold the weight, mm-hmm. right? So just like if you tried to – you've probably seen like old uh, – there's a Bugs Bunny cartoon that sticks out. And oh, it's yeah. one where I think he's doing the opera mm-hmm. and there might be like these like hippos with like wings. They're like standing on these tiny pedestals and you're like, mm-hmm. that pedestal can't hold that giant hippo. Yeah, like, I remember that. 
that's uh that's kind of what happens when we when we yes. put worship into things that, that it doesn't fit, right? And so what happens is you've always got to like bring something into like buttress, buttress and provide yeah. extra support. And, it's and big, usually what it is is like a um it's blame shifting, yeah. um it's uh hiding or lying. Um it's a number of things. Um take so, yeah. sex, take sexual revolution. It was like, oh, if I just have more sexual freedom, then I'll be fully satisfied. If people are allowed, you know, the idea was like uh, with Kenzie's studies was like, if you just get to have sex with without, without consequence, whenever you want, everybody will be happy and will be fine. But that did not happen. What happened is it became more and more complicated, mm-hmm. more and more divergent, uh, trying to speak carefully here. And, and now it's to the point that there are there, it, it didn't satisfy what it did is it sort of unraveled to the point there that, that there exists the people that really do want to be transhuman if they want to be uh, removed from their bodies and become fully mechanized or have like a kind of quasi belief in technology to be the idol that like my consciousness is more fitted for a mechanistic algorithm in an artificial intelligence to steward my consciousness than to um, continue to think that I can find satisfaction within my own body. Mm-hmm. So it, it, so what I'm trying to say is like humanism failed as well so whatever we worship unless it is fit for worship which is a question we can get to later in the next episode um uh tends to um make us look like it and in so doing unravel us yeah um no that's know, real uh, I, I read a study i sent it to you yesterday it was just an interesting thing um you know i love animals so I'm not an anti-animal person. Um, let me see here. Where did I send that? Oh, yeah. It was like mind-blowing stats. It says there there are more dogs in the United States, 76 million, than children under 18, 73 million. Over 38% of households have at least one dog. 30% of households have at least one child. Uh, the dog market is bigger than the kids' market. And somebody just tweeted that. And I thought that was really interesting because – because it makes sense to me. There was a time where the sort of the hope, kind of like the um, good news of of um, foregoing family, would ensure greater plausibility of personal satisfaction, fulfillment, freedom, and happiness. And then, as that plays out over a couple generations, people start to look for companionship somewhere, and dogs become sort of a dogs are a wonderful thing, but they become a thing in place of. Um, like having families or yeah. kids in a sense. And, you know, you know, I'm not an, I love animals, so I'm an animal person all the way through. Um, and so, so a good thing becomes, um, ultimate and then it falls through and then the next thing fills its place. And then there's a point where, um, that will be betrayed too. So get, get deeper into, you know, the future and you may find that animals are, are being discarded because, all of a sudden they are overrunning our available resources. And now people are saying it's sort of a betrayal of our, of our worship of them. We've, they've, they've been in in primacy for too long. It's a ways out, but I wouldn't be surprised if 50 years from now it happens Um, because that's just what we do. If you like do a trace of human history, uh, things reach a boiling point and then we get bored of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've used it up. We've worshiped it. We're done with it. It doesn't give me the benefits and the hope and the satisfaction that I need. And I move on from it. hundred percent. You know, 
So, so even with um, your, you know, political climate right now, there are. I, I'll, um, I'll give you. I'll just give you this to to think about uh, in preparation for a, like a more expanded talk on the next episode. Is right now, what is the art market being saturated with? So I, I won't say, but just think about it. What kinds of artists are being shown, and is it really for their good, or is it for? the conscience and appeasement of the ones leveraging their power. Like are these artists being supported because they're making art and they're worthy of support, which I think many are, or is it to make people feel better about what they failed to do in the past? So are they looking at the artists they're showing now as sort of their savior to usher them out of being canceled or uh, seen as on the wrong side of history Mm -hmm. at the expense of real issues? Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. so, so how, how does an artist negotiate that um, when they need these opportunities, but also know they're being completely exploited by the guiltiness of people that speak the loudest? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I, I'm going to give a provocative example. Um, I sent this, 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 um, let's see, what was it? It was, uh, let me find it. So this guy was saying that um, today he witnessed a white dude perform a land acknowledgement, mm-hmm. and then a Native American woman then stood up and stated that her ancestors had lived on the said land before the tribe that he had mentioned. And and it was like arrogance, ignorance, and this guy probably actually not doing his research. Yeah. yeah. So so he thinks he's gonna he's gonna showcase and obtain to some level of moral you know, kind of like high ground, high ground. Yeah. And as quickly as he did it, he got one upped by the very thing he's talking about. Yeah. Where do you go from there? So what I'm saying is there's a lot of people that are opportunistically angling for, um, moral high ground out Mm -hmm. of a guilt appeasement is to Mm -hmm. appease the guilt conscience. So it's not actually with integrity for what needs to happen or what should have been happening or or X, Y, or Z. And now the market's being flooded with particular kinds of artists. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, recognize the difficult the, the challenge of that what's coming is the discarding of of that which um is being propped up except for we're talking about real people and that creates a real conundrum for uh displacing people yet again that are already displaced if that makes sense so it's a it's a conundrum uh and that's what we want to kind of um further unpack in the next episode yeah. You know, today is just like getting us thinking about this to then zero in and have like a really targeted conversation. So we'll go into the framework. We'll get really clear and land the plane on these categories. And then we'll talk a little more about like, what, what do you do? You know, how do we, how do we negotiate this fact about ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's plenty more to talk about with it. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a lot of groundwork has been laid. Um, and I would say like, you know, just like we started off talking about like, Keep an open mind about it. Just think about what's being yeah, just put forward. It. Because yeah. I think what you're going to find is that, like, you'll see the instances in your own yeah. life. Um, you know, it's really easy to point to other people and be like, oh, yeah, I yes. see how they do that. Maybe hard to see um, for yourself, but if you try, you might. And then it's a little disturbing. But don't be disturbed. I think there's good news and, and no, hope and answers. There is. There's a lot of it. And and, and also there's um, – it's always nice when we can kind of clear away some of the debris. Yeah. Um, cause it helps us to step into more like promising territory Yeah. Uh, for what it looks like to move forward, to, to do your work, to, to, you know, to even come up with ideas for the work or, 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 yeah. or ground your work. In any and they even have a vision to see past the saturation to, to what's maybe needed versus what you need. So, or what, what is best versus what's needed for you. And, and so then how does that, how does your decision making change? 
if you can find some freedom from some of these um, demands that, that can overwhelm us in terms of our worshipful nature. So go back and listen a few times to this. It was a little scattershot, but kind of just um, laying out some terrain. It, it should echo on things we've said in the past, yeah. spe- specifically on identity. Um, but worship is the thrusting of yourself into something that you believe will give you uh, benefits that uh, move you from one sort of existential position to another, both externally and internally, and solve some said issues that you believe you may have. Or, you know, like if I'm, I'm not known and I want to feel more important, well, I want to be enjoined to this thing because it's important. And so that way I can flex my importance in the process. Like whatever it is, whatever it is, um, it's myriad, so it's everywhere. And um, it's worth reflecting on. And uh, join us next week. And we'll jump into the next um, part of this. Yeah, it's going to be good. We're looking forward to it. And as always, uh, we love you. You are a fantastic audience. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.